This week on the Men at the Movies podcast, we enter the timeline with the Atom Project. Great stories are woven around stakes, goals, and even battles that are personal, because our lives are. Our actions have consequences, and our biggest impact is revealed in the lives of those around us. And our legacy will be determined by our ability to listen to the truth from the Father. You're my son, and I love you, and you're amazing. Let's smoke this banana, or something, and discover God's truth in this movie. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story, the story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Hello and welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. My name is Paul McDonald and joining me via the Zoom stream, my buddy, his Zoom says white chocolate, but you know him as Britt Mooney. <laughs> hey man, how you doing? <laughs> I am doing amazing, man. How you doing? Good, good. We're, we're, you're fresh off a trip to Nashville. I'm fresh off a trip to the mountains. Yeah. Uh, yours was more successful. Well, it depends yeah. on how you grade success. Yeah. Exactly. I was, I was, it was a beautiful sunny day. I got to, I went a couple times last week. Uh, one with a friend of mine, his first time in waders fly fishing. He was like, I'm in a stream and not getting wet. This is awesome. <laughs> and just getting away and not, you know, being behind a computer or looking at a screen or doing anything, but figuring out why fish won't actually bite my fly, the fly <laughs> right but did you figure that part out no still still uh, still yeah, 0 yeah. for 22 0 for <laughs> 0 for 2022 so speaking of 2022 oh, we have a movie from the current year <laughs> we are talking about the atom project uh just released on netflix I had, I had my son Andrew here for the weekend. I'm like, ah, oh, I kind of want to, this movie looks interesting. I'd seen the preview, the trailer for it. And so we went with it and you discovered something. I didn't, cause you look up stuff about the movie. I just watch it. You actually look up research on it. And you said, you're like, dude, do you know who directed this? I said, no, no, I don't. And you were all excited because it was Sean Levy. So why, yeah. why would we be excited about Sean Levy directing the Adam project? Well, he directed one of my, one of the movies that I go to as a, as a writer to tell people that being derivative isn't always bad. Now that is kind of like, that's kind of demonized a lot in modern writing. You know, you get a lot of writers and they're purists and they're like, oh, you got to have an original idea and all this kind of stuff. And I, I, I love original ideas. I think that's great. But sometimes being, even with being derivative, if you do it right, you know, you have to put an emotional core within the movie. So real steel, I talk about because it's basically rock'em sock'em robots and Rocky or, and a little bit of over the top. If you remember that one with the, <laughs> with the, the arm wrestling movie, which is a horrible, awful movie. So it's, it's basically those things all, all kind of mashed in together, but because of the father, son, emotional core, and, the, and, and explorations of grief and kind of the love story. And, and Hugh Jackman is an amazing sort of actor. And just the way all that, those emotional cores kind of come together and, and the message of that, I, I love that movie. And I was so surprised I liked the movie. Like I got it just like I rented it, that movie just because I was like, I don't even know if this is going to be good, <laughs> but I'm going to rock them, sock them robots. It was my favorite. Um, and I ended up liking it. And then of course we did Free Guy which he also yep. directed. And, you know, there's some of that that's like war games meets the matrix. You know, there's some of that. There's some and, derivative uh, parts the of other that piece too. That, that one, it felt like um, ready player one, ready player one. Yeah. It had a lot of elements of that, all great ideas in their own right. And he just kind of mixed it in a way that was a little original and had a little bit of a twist to it, but just the Ryan Reynolds and the emotional core of what's real and love and some of the stuff that went on in that movie. 
um, I, I thought were so well done uh, about what's truth and, and the power of truth and the power of reality and some of that stuff that we explored on that episode. Go back and watch it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't know. I don't know where that came from. Um, but so, yeah, so I was just really excited and I love Ryan Reynolds. So he's in this movie, too. And Mark Ruffalo is an he really is an cast, amazing. Really. And and Jennifer Garner is one of my favorites. Um, so we saw that both. Oh yeah. I think both Becca and I have a crush collectively on, uh, Jennifer Garner. Um, <laughs> we've seen like everything alias and everything she's ever done now, uh, Jennifer Garner and, and, uh, Ruffalo were in 13 going on 30 together too, which is one of kind of my wife and I's favorite movies, but yeah, Zoe and it's just got a great cast. And so I was excited about this movie and I was, I was, I was really satisfied when I watched it. I thought it was a really great choice. I mean, it goes pretty much as you would expect, you know, for a, for a guy who travels back in time, meets his younger self and they meet their dad. Who's been dead a couple of years. I mean, do I have to say spoiler alert? Yes, we do have to say too late. I just spoiled it right there. Spoiler alert. Well, I don't think you said anything that's not in the little trailer. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that's true. So what you're, it was interesting because you were talking about the, how the movies were derivative and there's, to me, there was, a, it, there were shades of the kid, the Disney's the kid. Good call. Good uh, call. Shades of goodwill hunting, uh, especially yes. in the, the one big climactic yeah. scene there at the yeah. end um, that we will talk about. Um, any other, any other kind of callbacks to the movie? Well, there's a back to the future thing oh, where, course. you know, where yeah. he kind of goes back to and talks to his dad and, you know, has well, they some even of those reference elements Biff and, and, and they, where they <laughs> reference Biff. And I mean, so there, there's definitely I mean, you can't you can't really do a back in time movie without borrowing from somebody. Right. I mean, like you, you just can't, you know. Um, and so. So, so they were, you know, and they go back to kind of change the future. And I mean, there's some of those elements that are the same, um, you know, they have like the fixed timeline sort yeah. of idea that's similar in the Loki. And yeah. I mean, so uh, you're going to be borrowing from somebody if you, if you do anything at this point, but um, it's just the way it was all kind of put together. And again, it, this one also has a great emotional core about what's important in life. I think really drew me in and, uh, you know, I was choking up my, I, yeah. I sent, I sent Paul a text, like I'm choking up 20 minutes in <laughs> this big weepy gif. <laughs> <laughs> but so we were, we, when we were talking about it and you were, we were discussing Sean Levy and, and his approach to the movies and how he styles it. You said something that I think when you talk about those three movies specifically, when you talk about, Free guy. When you talk about real steel, and when you talk about this one, you you said the stakes and the goals have to be personal. It's not. It is there is some piece of standing up against some sort of global tyranny, the bad guy, oh, whatever. Sure. But the driving force is is personal. Like you mentioned with real steel, it's this father son relationship that's going to come into play a lot here. And Ryan Reynolds, Adam character pursuing trying to rescue his wife was the i mean that was the driving motivation it and in free guy it was a it's a video game who cares right but it's about the relationships it's about the relational core which is leading into one of the themes of this movie this idea of of legacy of our actions have consequences and what's our impact on the world around us kind of what I wanted you to talk about a little bit of, about how the stakes and goals are personal and, and how that it, why that's good storytelling versus like we have to beat the Ebola virus in outbreak or something like that. Right. And, but, but even within outbreak, I mean, they made it personal, right? right it, was, it was his wife and they, you know, it, so good storytelling, you, you have to make the, the consequences, the stakes, you don't have to, but it, it, it connects with people better. If it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, if it's personal, sucks if you do, <laughs> because, 
you know, something we didn't go over with, uh, you know, one of the last, um, one of the last movies that we did was that, you know, the core of some of those stakes w- was personal. And, and, and in this uh, kind of like we, we talk about Alan Arnold a lot. So I'm going to reference him, uh, you know, in, in his, in his book, chaos can't, he talked about this and he said, he said, look, if, if the attack of the enemy feels personal, that's because it is. Like, like the enemy isn't attacking us in a general, nameless, faceless way. Like yeah. he, he's not generally just throwing anything he can at Paul McDonald. He knows Paul McDonald to the to the. He knows your history. He knows your family history. He knows your family demons. He knows he knows all that stuff. He knows exactly what buttons to push. And so he knows how to personally attack you, just like he knows how to personally attack me. And so we may not understand it in those terms when we watch movies, but when we watch movies and the stakes are personal, it feels more real to us. Time travel isn't real. Spaceships aren't real. But that we know of. And meeting yourself, (laughs) right? Meeting yourself as a kid. Right. Right. That's not. That's not experience any of us have. But when you put those personal stakes within the movie, Mm -hmm. what that does is that now says, oh, that makes it feel real to us, because whether we consciously know it or not, that that is our experience. Right. It's that's it's immediate. And, And when we feel the chaos of life, it feels it feels the obstacles of life. It it could be the government decides to, you know, pass some law on it and it, and it costs me more money. It feels personal to me. Right. Right. I'm like I'm they're the digging one paying, into my pocket. They're <laughs> digging into my pocketbook. I'm the one paying $2 more a gas, you know, a gallon of gas. Right. I mean, like it, they weren't thinking about me when they did that. Right. The, the right. difference is the, the enemy does think about you, but, but all of this chaos that we deal with, it feels personal to me and we deal with it personally. And so that's why personal stakes make for great storytelling because it's, it's reality. And it's what, I mean, just as you were talking, I was thinking about Armageddon, another movie we haven't talked about, but yeah. at the end, you've got a big meteor coming to crush the world. But what do you care about? It's Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler's characters. I can't remember their names, but it's about their relationship. Yeah. You know, it's about Harry Stamper sending Ben Affleck home. Cause I remember yeah. Bruce Willis's guy, but it's, and, and, his, and his connection with his daughter and, right. and, and how much he loves his daughter. Like, and I, you know, I mean, that's so it's universal. We all have family, you know, right. whether they're cool family or not. I mean, we, there, there's something basic and universal within us that, loves our family, you know? And so the, the early, the first premise of the movie, Ryan Reynolds, Adam, old Adam, he's 42. He goes back in time because his wife disappeared and something weird happened in 2018. He comes back to 2022 and he, there he sees his 12 year old self. He interacts, he can't do anything because he's hurt. And what you see is, again, that the idea that it, the stakes or goals have to be personal because our lives are personal. We, it's what we care. We care about the people closest to us. And in this movie, both of them are still dealing with the loss of their father. Right. 12-year-old, it's happened a year and a half. It's still super fresh. Older Adam has learned to deal with it, but it's still an issue because you can tell by the way he interacts and talks about his dad and even treats his younger self. And there was a line there late in the movie that, that kind of encapsulates his approach. And it's super weird. I don't normally play a clip from the end of the movie at the very beginning, but it's this experience as they've come to their resolution, you know, and there's, there's, um, who is it that says we are always every age we've always ever been. Mm. And I can't remember who it is. Uh, it'll be in the show notes, uh, <laughs> as always. Um, but we see this as he interacts with his 12-year-old self and comes to terms with who that kid is. Holy shit. What? I spent 30 years trying to get away from the me that was you. And I'll tell you what, kid. I hate to say it, but you were the best part all along. And as more middle-aged men, I guess we are now, Britt, 
But there's this approach that we can look back at our lives because this is, it's a time travel movie. We're going to be wrestling with our past, present, and future. We look back at our past and, and have a great deal of regret. And we have a great deal of hatred for that kid. Mm. The problem is that's not a healthy way to live. Mm -hmm. And what you see in this movie is nothing really changes for the 12 year old. Nothing really changes for dad. Nothing really even changes for mom. But the, the key piece is Ryan Reynolds, Adam, older Adam experiences the transformation and the healing of his heart through, through both of his acceptance. And I think that's probably our first piece is how do we find acceptance? How did he get to that point where he's like the, that the way that he said it was so cool. The you that is me, or I hated the you that is me. But now I realize that's the most important, the best part. Because in therapy, in counseling, in all this stuff, they talk about having to come to acceptance of the part. Like, if there's a part of you that you hate, you will always remain a fractured person. Mm. But Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. He's, he's taken the, the broken and he puts it together. And part of that is accepting that peace. Yeah, I think we just, we don't give ourselves grace. We don't give ourselves forgiveness. We don't, we don't give ourselves love. And, and really when it, what it, when it comes down to it, I think the key, although this, this isn't technically what happens in the movie, but I think the key is to see ourselves, even our past selves as God sees us yeah. and God saw us then. Because so often we look back and we see all the mistakes that we made and all the ways that we could have done things differently. And that's a big part of these time travel movies, you know, Yeah, uh, man, you know, I, we made these mistakes have consequences. And if we could, if we could go back and change it, you know, we could, man, I would have, we could change you know, our past. We'd change our future. Right. And, and, and I think of, of course we can't change our past. And there, and like you said, there's elements of this movie that they don't get to change. But they did get to change how they viewed it. There you go. They did get to change their perspective on it. So they didn't change the action of his dad dying or the action or the, the reality of living in grief. But they did get to change their perspective on it. And perspective comes with time. And that's why we need people in our lives to help give us, we need a community to help give us that perspective. We, you know, we, we have to have those people in our lives and he, he didn't really have that as a kid. And he, he kind of has to discover it for himself uh, along the way, but what he, but time gave him as he looked back, his perspective you know, gives him that, gives him that sort of wisdom that says, man, I was such a jerk to my mom, man. I was, was such a loud mouth, little nobody. And, you know, I got beat up and cause I deserve to get beat up, you know? And I mean, like he, he didn't, but he didn't see himself the way God would have seen him. Right. I mean, I, they wouldn't, they're not going to say that in the movie, but that's, he didn't give himself grace that I, I think so often we, not that we don't make mistakes, but that God sees a, sees deeper issues than just our actions. And so God, it's not that we're saved, but God gives us grace in the sense of he still loves us. He sees us for who we are or who he wants us to be. And he, he does, he's not seeking for us to like, oh, I hate, I hated that 18 year old me. Well, I, okay, maybe I made mistakes, but God loved that kid too. Right? right. I mean, God was totally in love with that guy too, just like he's in love with me. And uh, now, and, um, and so I, I think that was it. That was that he, he gained a perspective that real, that actually did change his relationship with his mom. It changed how his dad treated him from yeah. that moment on, you know, I'm going to be home more. I'm going to work less, you know, um, you know, stuff like that. And his, you know, wife was like, what, where's this guy been? And, and, and he, he had to come to some hard 
conclusions, right? Um, about himself. The dad did the Mark Ruffalo character. And so uh, that's the big thing to me is that, that coming to those situations with a, with a healthy perspective and time, seeing the end from the beginning, if I act like this now, I'm going to regret it later, you know? Yeah. Um, and not really realizing it in the moment, but we need that sort of community and people around us to give us some of those insights, I think. And there's a line from the novel J- Jaber Crow. And again, I'm going to butcher the line, but the, he, as a, as a, it's a walk through this young man's, this man's life. It's his entire life, basically. And as a seven, six, 76 year old, he's saying, when I look back on my life, I see now that I've been led. I see that mm. it's probably been the straightest line possible to get me to where I needed to be to who I am. And there's that idea that if we could go back and change it, we would eliminate it, you know, and there's a scene where young Adam is getting bullied and older Adam's like, you need to get your butt kicked because that's the only way you're going to learn. That's the only way that like these, these things that suck that we wish don't wouldn't have happened have to happen. And so we do have to come to grips, come to a place of peace with who we were, with the mistakes that we made, with the stuff that we went through, the stuff that we wish had never happened. Like Adam doesn't want his dad to die. Uh, He doesn't want to get beat up. He's like, this is the third fight this year. Yeah, you'd think I was getting better at it. And older Adam looks back and he, he has that line that you've, you've mentioned before about, I look back, it makes me sick to my stomach how I treated our mother during this, these times of grief. Right. And you have to forgive yourself for that. Whether it's whatever it is, right? It could be mistakes in college mistakes as a kid mis- we we all have made mistakes that we still hold ourselves accountable for we still hold our feet to the fire we like no you screwed this up and i can never let myself off the hook and god looks at it and says i've already forgiven forgiveness happened 2000 years ago you know, you're for, it's, you know, talk about the t- ultimate time machine, <laughs> right? The, the whole idea of God being sort of an over time and, and ever present. And it's like, no, it it's every sin that you've committed has already been forgiven past and future. Right. We, we think that, Oh, I got to confess. I got to go through some sort of penance or in life purgatory to, Cause we'll be like, Oh, I did. I yelled at my kids and I have to ask them forgiveness, but you ask them forgiveness, but we don't forgive ourselves in the moment. Cause we, I, I feel like, am I always going to react this way? Am I always going to be like this? Why can't I get past this? Mm. You know, confession, by the way, is just agreeing with truth. Like confession is just me repenting in my mind according to truth go and, and and that includes how we see ourselves in the past right how we see ourselves as kids how we, being able to forgive ourselves and, and and because really because really what it comes down to is when when we agree with truth part of agreeing with truth is saying i can't earn my way back you know but you do have to go back, right? I mean, like the prodigal son did have to actually go back. I mean, he could have stayed in the pig pen, but, but the problem was he thought he had to earn his way back. He right. didn't have to earn anything. He, he didn't have to, you know, he was him coming back was, and it wasn't, it didn't make anything he did right. Right. It just meant that, that but he couldn't earn it. That was, that was going to be a lie. And the father wasn't going to let him live according to a lie. No, you don't even get to have the conversation. I'll just be your servant. And that way I'll get some good food to eat. Like, no, no, no. You're a son, you're a child. 
And, and that's, and that's, that's part of this self-reconciliation that has to happen. Of course, in the movie, it's, it's, again, it's made personal, so it, it affects us. And so it's, it's instructive, but, but for us, you know, I think so often we limit ourselves based on who we used to be and what I used to do and all of that stuff. And man, God has so much in store for us. And what we have to do is start asking God questions when things happened in our past. What do you think about that? Yeah. I literally have a conversation with God. Like, what do you think about me when I was 16? And he might say, yeah, you were clueless about this, but he's going to say, but you know, but he's also going to say, but I love that kid. I love that 16 year old Brit or Paul McDonald. Yeah. <laughs> like as much as a bonehead as he was, like, you really think I'm less of a bonehead now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's one of the, like compared to God, I'm just saying like the, the distance between us, you know, even if I've gone a long way, it's still infinite. Right. Right. I mean, like the distance between us, he still has to bridge that gap. And so, so we do, we have to give ourselves grace, not excusing bad things, but give ourselves grace in order so we can move forward, forgive ourselves, realize that I can't earn my way back. I mean, there's so many, I mean, there, I've known pastors who deal with this, you know, I used to be this kind of person, you know, and now I'm working hard for the Lord. He doesn't want you working hard for him. What he wants is you guys walking together as father and son. That's what he wants. And, and I think a big, uh, you know, that's why that moment at the end was so crucial when the father expressed his love and he wouldn't, he wouldn't move past it. Right. And I love that as, as, as much as the Ryan Reynolds character, uh, the older Adam. Okay. Yeah, I know. No, you don't know. And I think sometimes we do that as Christians, man. Sometimes we do that as Christians where we say, Oh yeah, yeah. I know God loves you. God loves me. And I'm, I'm telling you, man, we don't, we don't really know. We yeah. don't know. And we have to put ourselves in that position to receive that call that says, no, you don't really know. Because once we know that we're already loved, then we can start to forgive ourselves and we can start to see ourselves as God sees us. Uh, and, and I think we just protect ourselves somehow. It's not really even protecting ourselves uh, because that's, I think that's what, that's why that scene was so amazing at the end is that Ryan Reynolds was almost like he was trying to protect himself from feeling yeah. too much or something, you know, but he wasn't, he was, he was resisting, the exact thing he want he, he needed to hear and the, and the younger Adam too. So I don't know if this is the perfect, you know, we might, we might be playing the clips from, you know, from the end back to forward, back, back to forward. But, but that's why that scene was so, so central. And that's why Sean Levy to be able to just take that time in the movie and show that, you yeah. know, well, and I want, I do want to do like the movie does and, and actually give the listeners the payoff at the end. So we're not going to play it yet, but it's, it's like, um, it's like when you show a gun in a movie, it has to go, it has to be shot. You don't show a gun without shooting it. Otherwise you leave the, the, the audience sort of wondering what happened. Right. I love how so many of these movies, you know, we, we label them tragedy or comedy. Tragedy is them not living according to the truth. Comedy is you live according to the truth. And when you live according to the truth, I believe you actually get opportunities not to go back and reverse it. We can't go back in time, right? Mm -hmm. But we have the opportunity to, as a manager, I was, I did a, uh, I, I left and it was very painful, very ugly. I didn't respond the way I wanted to. It was horrible. Several years later, I had another opportunity. Right. And I had an opportunity to, to get it right, to do it right, do it the way I wish I would. Think about the, the, an interaction with the kids. You know, you're at a ball game, you start screaming at an ump, you walk home, you're like, that's not who I want to be. You get the opportunity again and, and sh sort of sheltering yourself, shutting yourself down and be like, well, I don't want to do that again. So I'm not even going to put myself in position. There might be a time that that's the best thing to do. Mm. But I do find that, that God frequently offers like not a, a do over. It's sort of like you get to play a boss fight again. Right. You go back to the last save point and you, you fight it, fight it differently. And so in, in the movie, Adam ends up, old Adam ends up in the bar listening to his mom 
And this is after he's talked about how it tears him up mm. the way he treated his mother. Uh. And so he gets the opportunity listening to her frustration and her sense of loss, her sense of helplessness as she's talking to the bartender, he's over there drinking. And the way that he interjects again, goes back to that idea of what's, what's our impact, what legacy are we leaving and how our actions have consequences. He takes the opportunity to, and it's not going to undo the stuff that he did as a 12 year old, but he can encourage his mother to keep, keep going at a dark time. I wish I knew what I was doing wrong. You're not doing anything wrong. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, you scared Oh, eavesdropping. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> You're right, though. Teenage boys are horrible. It's like living with a urinal cake that yells at you. <laughs> Mother said these are the ones who take the hit. Mm. Yeah. But I'll tell you something. Mm. Boys always come back for their mamas. Oh, it's nice. It sounds like you're speaking from experience. I am. You have a good mom. I do. Mom. I have the best mom. Okay. I hope you're right. I'm still researching boarding schools in Fallujah. So. Good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean that. He's such a sweet kid. I'm crazy about him. We lost his dad in a car accident year before last. That's tough. Yeah, I have no idea. Well, I have some idea. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Jinx. Thank you. Thank you. Aren't you grieving too? think he needs you know, it. You think you're being strong for him. And the problem with acting like you have it all together is he believes it. Maybe he needs to know that you don't. It's okay if you don't. And that was such a huge pivot, I think, that aren't you grieving too? Yeah. Because we're all grieving. To some extent, somewhere we're grieving something. And it could be the loss of dreams. It could be the loss of, you know, loss of dreams is a pretty big one, actually. <laughs> right. It could be the loss of loved ones. It could be the loss of a job. It could be the loss of control. You know, what you, you were talking about earlier, about really believing, really believing that God loves us. We can say it. It's super easy. Yeah, it is. It's all through the Bible. But we live mm. in this, this sort of practical agnosticism because, yeah, God's in control. God's going to take care of me, but I'm going to flip out on the news. I'm going to freak out <laughs> about this going on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my shit because things don't look the way I think they should. And it's... If God is in control, and if you really believe that, if you believe God loves you, really believes that, if we really believe that, then me not catching a fish in the mountains is not going to make me freak out and, and lose my temper. You know, the price of gas is not going to be, wow, that's, that's insane. Do I believe what Jesus said about the lilies of the field and the birds of the air? Like, they don't, they don't worry. Because God takes care of them. It's like, I don't, I don't know some of the stuff that I've got going on. It's like, I don't, I don't know how, how I'm supposed to pay for this. But I, do I believe that God's in control? Okay. And when we go through hard times, when we look at our younger selves, we ask God that question. Aren't you grieving too? 
And I, we know that he does, you know, with, with, I love this. That's why I love the story of Lazarus. Because Jesus came and Jesus wept and people are like, Oh, shortest verse in the world. And, but it, it, it carries so much weight because looking back, we know that Jesus could have healed him with a word. He didn't have to be there. Like what Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, he would have, he'd still be alive. Yeah. I could have healed him, but I didn't. And our response is, don't you care? You said you loved him. Aren't you grieving? And he shows us that he is because he wept. And that wept, not just wept, but wept to the point there, the, the people around him were like, wow, surely yeah. he loved this guy. Why didn't he do anything? Yeah. And the Greek word there, by the way, is like a deep groaning weeping. Like it wasn't like he was shedding a single tear. Like, I mean, like, it wasn't like was, Brent you know, during that clip that I just played. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, he was, you know, and uh, so, you know, knowing the father's love gives us a, gives us the security that we need to go forth and do and love others. But because if we don't, what, what happens is whether it's conscious or not, we seek to get love. We're, we're acting to get love somehow. Mm. And, and, and that's one of the gifts of the kingdom. The gifts of the kingdom is we love because we are loved. But if you don't have those moments and it can happen in worship, it can happen in prayer, it can, but you, you have to give yourself space to do it. Jesus gave him, himself space to hear that his father loved him and he needed to hear yeah. it. He, when, when the, when the, when the, when the Holy spirit came down after he was baptized, it says, this is my son and who I'm well pleased. Like even Jesus needed to hear that he was loved. That didn't make him imperfect to hear it. Like this is the point he's, he's the son. This is his father. And it's the same with us. And so we, we, but that's the process and we have to hear that. Um, and, and that's, that's so important. And I, and I love that scene because you talked about getting, getting do-overs, right? And, and, and if we walk according to the truth, there, there's two parts of this because sometimes we don't get do-overs, right? But in, in a, in a literal sense, and many uh, times we, they look, they don't look or they don't the look same. like do-overs, yeah. right? But here's, here's the two ways that you're, that you're right. Okay. If when we start living by truth, when we live, when we love God and are called and living and participating in his purpose, his redemptive purpose to bring all things back under his domain, because he is a God of love and, and, and justice. When, when we do that, the Bible says 75% of the things will work out for good. <laughs> no, 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 wait a minute. Most or just to think. Or just the things from that point on. No, all things. That means even though it's further in time and you spent 80 years of your life not following God, once you do, God still takes all that you ever did and redeems it yeah. for his glory. And But if you don't follow him, I don't care how good you were, none of it matters. None of it even lasts past your life. And so that's one way that the past is redeemed. And again, we have to have that perspective or else we'll continue to beat ourselves up because we probably did legitimately, you know, things wrong, but, but that stuff can still be redeemed in our story because they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their own story. Like you, you overcome with this. And so, but, but I do believe actually that there are many cases and whether it's the actual person or not, that you, you do get do-overs. Um, you know, I was watching, you know, watching some movies, like I watched, watching Mighty Ducks the other day. And, and you kind of had that redemptive moment where, you know, the coach treated him like crap and like yelled at him because he missed the goal and you know, spoiler alert. And so then when when this kid, he picks this kid who has a history, a reputation of 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 whiffing on the right. on the shot, like, you know, like he but he gives him the shot to win or lose. But he tells him no matter what you do, basically his speech is no matter what you do, I'm going to love you. 
no matter what you do, I'm giving you this opportunity. And isn't this fun? Like that's what I, and so he has this opportunity to redeem his own past, even though he doesn't, it's not with his father, but he becomes his father, uh, you know, which was the coach he needed, but he, you know, so I do believe we do have those moments because God brings those people into our lives where it might not be our father or, our kid or whatever it is, it might, might be in a different situation, but, but when we start living by the truth, we do get those opportunities over again. And, and the, the prodigal son is a great example of you, you get another shot. (laughs) Here you go. Right. Here's a robe. Here's the ring. Uh, Let's have a party. Uh, You get another shot. I mean, you, you never stop being my son. And, and, uh, and I, I think it's beautiful, but I also love that scene because One of the things I love about this movie is how many times people got to say the things that they never said. And one of the things I was telling Paul was I I really want to encourage people like with him, with his mom and um, and then the dad with his with his sons and then even Adam to himself. And then there's that moment where we haven't even gone into the whole husband and wife thing. But there's a very passionate moment where he says goodbye to his wife and they say things to each other that needed to be said. And, and, and I think so often we put those things off or we don't realize that we need to say them. And, and I just, you know, my mentor lost his dad when he was 10 years old. Um, Larry Trammell lost his father when he was 10 years old. and. He remembered the rest of his life, the moment that he hugged his dad and told his dad that he loved him before his dad went to sleep and died in his sleep of a heart attack. And the rest of his life, before you left him, he would hug you hard or he'd kiss you, kiss me on the cheek and he'd say, I love you. And he'd say it in a way that wasn't like, oh, hey, man, I love you. Like he'd say, I love you. I want you to know it again. And I learned that from him. I learned that from him. And people say that about me, like, man, he's just always hugged people and telling me love him. And I was like, I mean, I learned from his experience. He passed that on to me. And I was so glad that I wrote him letters. And, and, and I remember I wrote him a letter when we went to Korea, thanking him for all that he ever did for me and, and telling him how much I loved him and respected him and all that he poured into me and, 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 I, and one, one time when we went back, we came back to Atlanta from Korea and down in his office, he had posted that letter that I wrote, posted it up. And then he passed away while we were in Korea. But I, it always, it always made me, it always comforted me that I got to tell him those things. And I guess my, my encouragement is, is that in, from this movie, man, I just kept crying because I was like, they're getting to say things they should say. And so often we don't. So I just want to encourage people to say those things to people in your life, your, your wife, your kids. Yeah. They annoy you, but tell them, I oh, man, I love you so much. I'm so happy to have you. You're such a gift to me because you mean it like you right. do believe it. And so just say it and make it a, make it a habit. Even going back to the, the scene with Adam and his mom, he's like, let him know that you're grieving yeah. because yeah. we think that things are okay when they're not, when, um, you you don't know the impact of a word of, hey man, like I, I, Patrick, who's been on the podcast a few times, he started a new job this week and like, it's a big deal. He was with his old job for like 16 years and joining this whole new company. That's just a brand new fledgling, like don't even, doesn't even have a website yet. <laughs> and to say, Hey, how's it going? Hope you're you know, praying for you and to actually right. say what you're praying and not just do the, I'll pray for you and immediately forget about it, but say, Hey, I'm praying for peace and comfort as you enter this stage and all this and be specific. Cause that way they know what you're praying and they can join with you. But we do spend so much time worrying about the impact on the world, you know, right. When our biggest impact will come with the people that are closest right. to yeah. us. Yeah. You know, my, my closest friends, my family, like those are the lives that, that 
actually matter. Right. Like I was, I was telling Britt beforehand, I was like, I, I struggle because I'm not writing as many words. I'm not progressing in my book as much as I want. But I'm also choosing to, as much as possible, spend Fridays with my grandson. I have break. I drop off my son at high school. I pick, we go, we go out to breakfast with my daughter and her son. And when I can, as much as I can, I was like, well, let me take case in home and I'll hang out with him. And then when I pick up Andrew, my youngest from school, then I'll drop him back off. It's a few hours, but creating those memories, having that impact is what leaves the legacy. That's right. Because in the, the last thing I'm going to say about the, the, that, what you were saying earlier about how to engage, it's not engaging out of grasping like Adam in that scene, he didn't need anything from his mom. Mm. He wasn't asking her to soothe him. He wasn't at, he, his goal in that interaction was to give her encouragement, to give her the love that he felt like he didn't do a good job of as a teenager. Right. And to have that goal, because man, there's times that I'll call my wife just cause I feel lonely or I'll, you know, my, my family, my brother and parents live in Texas. It's like, eh, I feel lonely. So I'll call them. It's like, Oh, I wanted to see how you were doing. I was feeling lonely and wanted you to soothe. That is really what was going on. And we frequently use that to sit, to fill our own aches, needs, desires, longings. We use our relationships instead of saying, how, what can I offer to them? What can I give to them? How can mm-hmm. I encourage them? Remember, we're, supposed, we're called to love and encourage. Encourage one Our another to love and good deeds, st- right? Stir one another up. There you go. And as we pivot towards the ending, and by the way, this could have been a three-hour podcast. We could have played like half the movie. Because <laughs> Britt mentioned, we're not even talking about Adam and Laura. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. It's like that, that was a great scene. It was a great moment. Um, but we just, we, we are focusing on this, this idea of legacy and the impact on the world around us, on the people that are closest to us and most important. And it has to come from somewhere. And we'll see if we can get through this without Brit and I (laughs) crying at the end. And if so, I'll just edit it out, but they get through the end. They go through the stuff. They see their dad. You've got 42 year old, you've got 12 year old Adam You've got the dad and, and whatever they, they accomplish their big mission, but there's a scene earlier when, when older Adam's upset and he's mad and he's telling his dad, here's what you need to do for the 12 year old. You need to be there. You need to come home from work. You need to do this. As you mentioned before. And his dad looked at him, Mark Ruffalo. And he says, well, what do you want? Or what do you need? What do you need? And it shakes him. He's like, I need to go for a walk because he can't yeah. handle it. And, and, and there's another great scene at the picnic table where he realizes he sort of twists his memories so that he could be mad at his dad because right. it hurt too much to grieve it. And, and the thing is, it doesn't really matter whether it's hurt or anger, sadness or anger. It's both. They're both going to keep you from becoming wholehearted and the person that God created you to be. So he never tells him, but through the, through the time, through their adventures together, the dad, and I probably should know his name, but the dad, uh, he knows what his son needs. He knows what older Adam needs. And before they leave, before, you know, the, the Adams disappear back to their timelines, he gives them what he needs. Sorry, boys. I'm uh, I'm sorry that I'm I'm not going to be there for you down the road. And uh, I've given it a lot of thought, but you cannot tell me how or when it happens. You came back here because no one has a right to change a future, including us. It's your future. No. You're my future, both of you. And how lucky am I that I got to see it. 
I haven't been there for you, and I'm sorry, but I saw you being born. I watched you take your first breath, and after that happens, nothing is ever the same again. You're my son, Adam, and I love you. You're my boy, and I love you. I loved you from the first minute that I saw you, and that will never change, Adam. Dad, you're my boy. You're amazing. I love you. I get it, Dad. I don't think you do. I am proud of you. Okay. I love you, son. Know that inside your heart. No, come here. Come here. You're my boys, and you'll always be my boys throughout all time. I love you, Dad. I love you, buddy. Don't carry this around anymore. I need you, Dad. It's so hard without you. I know. You're gonna be okay. You're gonna be better than okay. You don't know that. Are you kidding me? Have you seen this guy? <laughs> and what son doesn't long to hear that from his father? But the thing is, and I think the thing that it resonates, thing that uh, brings tears to our eyes, is one on one side is the longing to hear that and to hear that be true. But the other, like it is true. Like the words that God speaks over us are that. He looks at us and says, you, you are my future. That's what Jesus told the disciples, right? Now go and do what I've been doing. You are the little Christ going all through the world. You are my future. I saw you being born and nothing is ever the same. Like, we are God's masterpiece, his handiwork, handcrafted. He's like, you're my son and I love you. I loved you from the first moment I saw you. You're amazing. And it's what older Adam, to the point where he's like, I got to stop talking. I'm just got to hug you because you're not listening. Like, you're my son and I love you. You're amazing. You're my son and I love you and you're amazing. And somebody needs to hear that. And nothing, we, we grow up living a world where we think God just is like looking to bring down the hammer and waiting for us to screw up. God knows what we did back as a, a, a horny teenager or a drunk college student. He's like, nah, you're, you're getting in on a technicality. And God's like, I love you. Yeah, but I did this. I love you. Yeah, but I'm kind of screwed up. You're, you're amazing. And that's the truth of the gospel. We, we talk living by the truth, right? And as you mentioned, the dad gets the opportunity to tell his sons the things he never got to tell them. So here's what, here's what is in that scene that God says, before time began, I knew who you were. That's what the Bible says. Before creation, God pre-knew us. And when he thought about us, there was nothing evil. I had three kids. At no point when my kids were born did I go, man, they're going to screw up. Man. You know what I mean? Like it's, It was all love and positivity. And that's why we connect with that scene is because it's true. But it's true, also true, because that's how God, that's how God is. He said, when I created you, he prepared good things in advance for us to do. Right. Right. As it says in Ephesians, like, man, I got this awesome stuff. And then, and then we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Right. We are a masterpiece. You're, you know, you are God's craftsmanship as it's back in, that's in Ephesians too. But he also says what God says over us. You see, God sees you in eternity future. Hmm. Uh, if you, if, if you can handle this, what God sees is you 
in eternity future. Because he's he already sees you at the right at, at his. In fact, Colossians says, my life is already in eternity at, in Christ at the right hand of God. In other words, God sees he already knows what I'm what I've done over the I don't know how long I'm going to live. But let's say I, I live till I'm 92 or whatever. Like he's going to he sees all that. He already knows all of it. Just like in the just like in this scene. Yep. He, he's like, no, look, do you see who you become? I got you because we don't know the future, but God knows he not only knows our future, he knows my eternal state and who I am with him in eternity. And, and, and he goes, I love that guy too. <laughs> I love all of it. Uh, I, and, and I'm, and, and I want you to know how much I love you so that you can go forward and, and obviously in the, you know, in the scene, I need you and, you know, you're not going to be there. Like God is there, but right. God, but God wants us to know that you, that we're, he's going to walk with us through the heart there, are, there but there will be hard times. Right. I'm sorry, but there right. will Cause be. Cause it's like, I can't do this. It's too hard. It's too he hard. doesn't say it's no. not going to be hard, but he's like, how can you be sure I'm going to make it? Have how you seen you this sure? guy? Have you, and God says, I, I, I've already seen you make it. Yes. I've seen I've already, that guy. I've already seen you make it. I've already seen you finish the race. Now run it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and if you're really bold, if you're really courageous, if you really want to blow your mind, ask God to show you a picture. Yeah. God, show me that guy. Show me what you see when you look at me and sit with it. And if you know, if it's, and you know, if you're hearing garbage, a loser, a piece of shit guy who doesn't right. deserve what he's gotten, that's not God. You're like, Oh, wrong voice. Cancel. As we talked about with, we talked about the tender bar. Shut up. Let's try again. God, what do you think about me? God, who's that guy? Show me that guy. Because that's the one, that's the one God looks at. That's the one God sees. Because just like the 12-year-old, he's like, I know this 12-year-old is going to become this 42-year-old. And he's going to be awesome. Because you're yeah. awesome. And it's not going to, it, it is going to be hard. But you've got to keep hope. And like, I mean, even the disciples were like, Jesus, don't go. But Jesus said, I have to go to prepare a place for you. Right. But I'm sending you help. I'm sending you the helper and we, we will have help and we've got the spirit and the Jesus through the spirit and the father through the Jesus, through the spirit in us. <laughs> like God lives in us to help us through that. So that when we go through the stuff and we'll say, Jesus, God, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened. And I'm not talking about war disease or, I'm talking about stuff that takes you to your knees and makes you not want to get out of bed in the morning. Stuff that wonders if you'll ever get out of it. He's like, yeah, it's tough. But I'm here. And, and as we mentioned, he's grieving. He's, he's weeping with us. He's like, son, I can, I, you can do it. You can, you can do it. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. And then, <laughs> That's what it says. Look at Christ, the author and professor right. of our faith, the finisher. The finisher. Our faith isn't enough, but Jesus finishes it. So it's like, look at that Omega. guy. Look at that guy. Yep. Because you can do it. Because he's inside of you. So as we, we wrap up and put a bow on this bad boy, go check it out. It's on Netflix. It's great. And if you don't have Netflix... I'm, you're probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so as we wrap up in, in action items and stuff, one is pray to pray, ask God to show you that guy, show you who, who he sees when he looks at you and trust that, do that, believe that, not the believe the, the, the garbage that we think we are so that you're not that, that the you that is me that I hated becomes no, no, that's, I had to go through that to become who I am because God can redeem it. God redeems our past so that 
what we are here for, as, as you mentioned, is like, well, let's speak, speak life, speak love to the people that need to hear it because Amen. we don't know. Remember his dad, the, the dad died in a car wreck and your mentor died in a, with a heart attack or his dad died from a heart attack. You don't know, but yeah. all we know is that this kingdom isn't going to finish in our lifetime. Like right. we're the problems we're working on. That's a line that I love that he says the problems we're working on our children will solve. So what yeah. future are you leaving? What, what impact are you making? And it's that impact that's going to change the world more than anything you do at work or anything big that you think is important. What's most important is how you impact the lives of those around you. So this has been Paul McDonald and Britt Mooney talking about that two 2022. I'm just so <laughs> glad I, we, we, we've been ping ponging back and forth between current movies and old movies. So I'm glad to do, I, I love doing the current stuff and, and getting excited about the new stuff coming out. I hope you enjoyed it. I know we did. Uh, and we enjoyed the movie. I hope you enjoyed this conversation again. We did. <laughs> and I hope you join us next time here on the men at the movies podcast. Something inside has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be? Who am I to be?